I've been telling you, no time off for this show. We don't end with football. We keep it going, and that's partly because we've got Matthew Postons on the Big 12 basketball scene. This guy knows this conference as well as anybody does, top to bottom. I really would stack him up against anyone. And it's great to have him on, being a part of the show. Before we get to Matthew, as always, please leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Leave us that rating and review. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie when you send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So we appreciate you taking a minute out to do that. And uh, let's get to Matthew Postens. Matthew, Big 12 non-conference play is in the books. Um, Conference play gets underway this weekend. Let's just start off, look back on non-conference play. What was the biggest surprise to you of the last few weeks? Um, I think really West Virginia, and and not that I don't think any of us thought they didn't have talent going into the season. They – you know, they, they definitely had a, a bucket full of it, especially with the new recruit, Oscar Tshibwe and Miles McBride coming in. I think it was just how quickly it all came together. Um, you know, when you have a team with a lot of new young pieces and not a lot of veteran leadership returning, you really never quite know how those teams are going to come together chemistry-wise. And the fact that they've only got one loss, the fact that they – uh, beat a team in West Utah State that beat Oklahoma and Oklahoma State non-conference, and then, of course, the win over Ohio State uh, at the beginning of this week. It really kind of solidifies the fact that West Virginia you know, is not just an exciting young team. They're now a team to be reckoned with within the conference. So, uh, Matthew, I think that's uh, obviously the place that, that you know you should go that makes the most sense. Now, you do have two teams in this conference right now in the top six in the country. KU is sitting there at number three. You've got Baylor at number six. Uh, as you look at those two teams in particular, what one right now should have the edge and should be the favorite to win this conference? I like Baylor right now, and the reason I do is I just feel like they're the most balanced team in the conference right now from top to bottom. They they have great depth both in the front court and the back court. Uh, they have handled all the teams that they're supposed to handle in non-conference play really easily. They have three wins over ranked teams right now. Uh, so they've won close games against teams that are comparable to them and probably will end up in the NCAA tournament. And we're, we're talking about all of this without nearly a significant contribution from Tristan Clark, their uh, uh, all-conference forward, who really just has not been able to get enough consistent playing time, partly because there's still some soreness in his knee and partly because they've done such a good job at developing players like Freddie Gillespie and Flo Thamba and these other interior players that they haven't had to rely on Clark as much. Now, I firmly believe that once they get into Big 12 play, Tristan Clark is going to be a big part of what they do, assuming he's healthy. But right now, the way Baylor has played the past two months, I feel like they're a, a cut above Kansas right now, uh, just in terms of who I think might end up winning this conference in the regular season once we get to the end, uh, to get to the beginning of March. Now, uh, Matthew, let's talk about then the Jayhawks. Uh, you know, they most recently had that loss to Villanova, but you know, it's not a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, is this a team, though, that as you watch it, is it built for, for a long, sustained March run because of maybe having a couple more veteran guys than they've had the last couple of years? Does that give them an edge, or are there still things within this team right now that give you uh, reason to be concerned? 
I, I think this is a team that conceivably could make a deep run into March. And I think the, the fact that they had a lot of guys who came back that could have gone to the NBA, uh, that's a plus. Devin Dotson's had a great first two months of the season. The fact that they've been able to keep Azubikwe healthy, the development of David McCormick inside, uh, all of those factors allowed them to actually redshirt Mitch Lightfoot, which kind of surprised me at the beginning of the season. Mitch Lightfoot has been a kind of a Swiss Army knife guy for them the past couple of years, but they were able to redshirt him, uh, and that has kind of allowed them to get Isaiah Moss more playing time. Uh, I think as long as they stay healthy, they're going to be in the mix, not just for the regular season conference title, uh, but to be a team that can get two or three rounds deep in the NCAA tournament. You know, they're two losses. Like you said, they're not bad losses. They lost to Duke on opening night. They lost to Villanova on the road. Uh, they've, they've got a really good basketball team. I just feel like you know, if I'm looking at them against Baylor, I feel like Baylor has a little bit more depth, and I feel like right now Baylor's outside shooting is a little bit better. Matthew Poston's joining us, uh, Heartland College Sports contributor, does a great job covering this conference from a basketball perspective, top to bottom, as well as anybody. You know, Matthew, let's talk about the team that the whole country is keeping an eye on this year, and that's the Texas Tech Red Raiders after what Chris Beard did with this program last year. They're in the top 25, uh, but, you know, they, they kind of had an up-and-down non-conference. They lose three straight games to Iowa, Creighton, and DePaul. Those aren't bad losses to Big East and Big Ten teams, but still, three straight losses. Then they beat number one Louisville at Madison Square Garden, um, and they're ranked in the top 25, but it kind of has been a seesaw year so far. Should we expect more of that in conference play, or will this team stabilize itself? I, I think the team is starting to stabilize itself, and I think if you look back at that three-game losing streak, the thing that sticks out was that Jamius Ramsey, their Ballyhooed uh, freshman recruit, did not play it during most of that stretch because of an injury. Now, they played without him against Louisville, I believe, and they actually won that game. Mm -hmm. But I think that shows you just how important Ramsey is to what they do right now. He's their leading scorer. Uh, he really has done some, some really interesting things to kind of help electrify this offense and, and give it some different facets that it might not have had the last couple of years. Now, I still firmly believe they're a contender in the conference because you still have the great outside shooting from Davide Moretti. Uh, TJ Holyfield and Chris Clark have really settled into nice roles on this basketball team. They've got a lot of depth. Kyler Edwards has developed very nicely over the past 10, 15 games. Uh, I still feel like they can tussle with Kansas, West Virginia, uh, and Baylor to be the regular season champion in this conference. I think the key for them is, A, they've got to keep Ramsey healthy, and B, they've got to take advantage of that home court advantage they now have there in Lubbock. I mean, the fact that they have been able to pour 14,000, 15,000 people in there for non-conference games against you know, just regular run-of-the-mill opponents is pretty incredible. When you think about the home court advantage that Kansas has with uh, Allen Fieldhouse, Texas Tech is starting to build that out there uh, with that arena and, of course, with the big game against K uh, Kentucky coming up in January during the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, that's going to make that home court advantage even more valuable to them. And we'll get a good look at that even uh, next week, Matthew. They've got Baylor next Tuesday. so They do. We'll see a little bit of uh, what that home court looks like here coming up within the week. Hey, guys, it's Pete Mundo, and while the Big 12 Bowl games are in the books, we've still got plenty of Big 12 hoops on tap. Yep, and you want to get in the game? with mybookie.ag and the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 50% sign-up bonus. Here's how this works. Um, you make your deposit, your first-time deposit, and 50% of whatever you put in 
goes right into your account as cash. It doesn't need to be unlocked. It's just there to play with and win with. And Big 12 basketball season is going to be outstanding, by the way. It's going to be a ton of close games, a lot of fun to follow, a lot of fun to bet on as well. And you want to do it at mybookie.ag with the promo code BIG12 and get your free money, literally free money, mybookie.ag promo code BIG12. And that'll lead you right into March Madness when the betting is going to be absolutely outstanding and out of this world. So help us out, help them out, and have some fun. Help yourself out. Mybookie.ag promo code BIG12. It's mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12. So Matthew Poston's joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Uh, Matthew, as as you look at the teams that aren't ranked right now, which we listed the teams that were ranked, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech, who's being overlooked, if anybody's being overlooked right now, that's, that's maybe impressed you more than you expected thus far? Well, I think there are two that qualify at this point, one of them being Texas. Even though they have two losses right now, uh, they have, I think – potentially the best stable of guards in the entire conference uh, with the return of Andrew Jones. I'm a little concerned about their interior play, not so much because Jericho Sims hasn't had a nice non-conference slate for them. I'm a little concerned about their depth, but they could go four guards every night and be competitive in this conference every single night. Uh, The other team that I think we might be sleeping on a lot more is Oklahoma. Uh, They're a team that I really wasn't sure how the pieces would fit together with Christian Doolittle coming back, Brady Manick, uh, Devan Harmon, the freshman. Uh, but the releva- revelation for me is that Austin Reeves, uh, for them, who sat out the year after transferring from Wichita State, uh, you never know how a guy is quite going to fit into an offense when he sits out for a year, but he has come in right away and become their number one option from the three-point line. He's a double-digit scorer for them. He plays good defense. He's really done a lot to help stretch defenses out to him and I think that has in turn opened up opportunities for Doolittle inside. Um, They've got kind of a point guard by committee uh, thing going right now in terms of assists and facilitation but I think uh, Jamal Biennemi will eventually settle into that role of being the main facilitator once we get into Big 12 play. Matthew, let's talk about Shaka Smart. You know, the guy has not even reached in what is now his fifth season with Texas. He has not reached the round of 32 with this team. Yes, he's got the NIT championship last year. How much pressure is on him, especially with what Rick Barnes has done at Tennessee? Should that be relevant, irrelevant? How does that play in? And, you know, what does this mean for Texas? It's just just too much of a football school where they're kind of letting Shaka Smart pass for a couple of years. What's your assessment of that? You know, he's the head coach at a major sport at the University of Texas. There's always going to be a little bit of pressure on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the fact that they're building that new arena, uh, the Moody Center, I I think that's going to be an interesting component to watch because Shaka Smart has had no problem recruiting at Texas. He's brought in great classes practically every year. I think part of what has been a problem with him in terms of building consistency is that he's recruited at least one player in each class who has left early for the NBA after one year. That that doesn't help in terms of building consistency within your program. I think with this team this year, it's interesting because, as I mentioned, they've got so many good guards right now. That's one of those things that can really help you when you get to NCAA play with Andrew Jones, Jace Febris, Matt Coleman. We don't talk enough about what Matt Coleman is doing right now. He shoots 47% from the three-point line right now. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the, in the uh, uh, Big 12 right now, and that's with the extended three-point line coming out. Uh, they've done a great job of cultivating these great guards uh, who can really move the ball up and down the floor, 
uh, I think there's a chance, you know, if they get the right draw, that they could get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament this year. They still have to get there, but the way they've played over the first two months leads me to believe that there's something a little bit different chemistry-wise with this Texas team. And I think the test they get against Baylor on Saturday on the road, that's going to tell us a lot about, you know, just how they're coming out of the holiday, how they're coming out of the time off, and how they're how they're where they're at mentally as they go into Big 12 play. Mm-hmm. Now, Matthew, how much of this, you know, I, I know neither of us were, you know, watching a ton of VCU basketball necessarily when he was there, but the way he built that program, scrappy, full court pressing, I mean, you can't really do that with five-star guys at Texas, right? So he doesn't have that style anymore. Has that been an adjustment for Shaka Smart, you think? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, when you think about, uh, you know, Gary Patterson at TCU, uh, when he was in the Mountain West Conference with TCU, that was kind of their mentality. They would take in two- and three-star guys, and they would coach them into being four- and five-star guys. Uh, I kind of feel like that's very similar to what Shaka had to do at Virginia Commonwealth, because if you're going to be competitive with schools that are above you, those are the kinds of things you have to do. Being the head coach at Texas, being the head coach at you know Kansas, like Bill Self, you're, you have access to – uh, tremendous opportunities in terms of bringing in four-star and five-star guys. And you still have to coach them up, and you still have to get them into your system. I, I think that Shaka is a good coach. I think he's a good player developer. But, you know, you, you sometimes have to wonder if there is an adjustment period for a coach when they move from a mid-major to a major college in terms of, you know, how they develop talent. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you could safely say that, you know, they did a good job of developing Flo Thamba. They did a good job of developing Jackson Hayes. Uh, they did a good job of developing these guards over the past few years. Uh, there's not much Smart can do if uh, people like Flo Thamba or uh, Mo Bamba and um, Jackson Hayes go to the NBA early. But I think let's watch these guards this year, Courtney Ramey, Matt Coleman, Jace Febris. These are the guys that have been there for a couple of years now, guys he's developed. And let's see how they play this year before we put the, the jury out on whether uh, Smart is the type of coach that can develop those types of you know three- and four-star players. Matthew Poston's our guest, our uh, Big 12 basketball insider here on the show. Uh, Matthew, a team we haven't talked about yet, Iowa State. I mean, you know, they win the Big 12 tournament last year, and, you know, they're always great in that. No matter how they do in the regular season, they're always great in that, it seems like. But this year, I mean, talk about up and down, down and up. I mean, losing to Florida A&M is a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, what's up in Ames? It's, it's interesting because when I talk to the guys – the players that they brought to uh, Big 12 media days in October, they were very high in this season. And I'm, I've been kind of high in Iowa State in general because I think they have the right pieces in place to be successful. Um, they've been able to move Michael Jacobson back out to more of a four. Uh, Solomon Young has had a very good non-conference slate. Tyrese Halliburton has put up some of the best numbers in the conference. And they've got a nice guard rotation now with Rasir Bolton and uh, uh, Princess Nixon on the perimeter. They've got a good core group of six guys when you include George Condit IV, who's done nice work for them coming off the bench and being a spot starter inside. When you think about it, they've got three good guards outside. They've got three good inside guys uh, for the front court. The the problem that I see for them going into Big 12 play is just the depth right now. There are guys behind those six that really haven't shown statistically or consistently that they can be guys that can be relied on you know, for 10, 15, 20 minutes a game. And as you look at that, when you think about 
those six guys and maybe the depth not being there behind them, those six guys are going to have to play a lot in, in conference play, and I think that has the potential to wear them down. I still think they're a very good team. you got to remember that Halliburton did not play against Florida A&M. Uh, he had a sprained wrist. He should be ready to go for the opener on Saturday. But they're, they're going to struggle, I think, against teams like you know West Virginia where they have a lot of interior height, athletic interior height, and they're probably going to struggle against teams like Kansas where I think Kansas's guard play can match up well with what Iowa State has on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew, is this one of those teams then that you could see being conceivably, uh, by the time we get to, let's say, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City March, uh, the most improved team in the conference? I think it's possible. I, I think that if they can find you know, one or two more guys off of that bench, they could be, can be more consistent performers for them. Uh, as we go along through this season, I think that has the potential to put them into, uh, you know, maybe uh, a four or a five or maybe a six seed. Right now, I have them at number eight in my power rankings, and a lot of that has to do with just how up and down they've been. You know, aside from the Florida A&M loss, their losses have been to good teams, Iowa, Oregon State. Uh, they lost to Seton Hall, but then they bounced back and beat Seton Hall when Seton Hall was ranked about a week later. So they've 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 put together some wins and some losses against teams that I would consider to be quality teams, which helps their resume when you think about the NCAA tournament. Uh, right now with the, with the younger players they have on their bench, the way they develop I think is going to go a long way toward deciding how relevant Iowa State's going to be as we get – into February and March in this conference. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and as we keep it rolling, we talk stats all the time on this show, right? And did you know that 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff? 80% of women think men should manscape. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. That's from Business Wire. Well, that's why we're proud that support for Heartland College Sports comes from Manscaped who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. How about that play on words? You guys like that? That's why the revolutionary Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag in the place you don't want to nick or snag, right? It's also waterproof so you can use it in the shower. It's exactly what you're looking for, especially as you go for the uh, you know new year, new me here in 2020. So go get 20% off and free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. Join the other dudes helping themselves with Manscaped with a special offer just for our listeners. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Matthew Poston's our Big 12 basketball insider joining us here on the show. Uh, couple teams we haven't touched on yet, Matthew, that are near the bottom of the standings right now at a uh, non-conference play. TCU, uh, K-State. Let's start with uh, let's start with K-State because this team lost a lot of a last year's squad, a lot of veteran leadership. Looks like Bruce Weber is still trying to figure out a rotation. He's got a lot of guys that are getting extensive minutes, but uh, it's just not clear to me he even knows yet You know what his rotation is going to look like. How do you see that uh, working out for this Wildcats team? Well, I think they have the same problem Iowa State has, but this is a problem that I think we saw coming this season, and that's depth beyond Xavier Sneed and Cartier Giara and Mikhail Maween and uh, Mike McGurl, who is actually, I think, one of the more improved players in the conference as we look at non-conferences. 
his minutes per game are up. His his three point shooting has been very good over the past couple of months. But you look at the rest of the team beyond that, and, it, and there's just not a lot of developed depth there. Uh, that's always been the problem I've kind of had at Kansas State the last couple of years, even with the success that they've had with those core three guys who graduated is it just didn't seem like they were developing a lot of depth behind them. And I think that's kind of what's biting them this year. They just didn't have, don't have a lot of guys right now that have been developed enough to where they can contribute on a consistent basis. Sneed can do a lot for you. Uh, Giara can do a lot for you. You know, I think Maweed has improved inside, but you get beyond those three guys, it's a bit of a crapshoot. And I think that's why Bruce Weber's been – you know, kind of finagling with his lineup over the past couple of months. He's trying to find a chemistry that works. And when you have that many young, disparate pieces, some of these are JUCO guys, some of them are freshmen, some of, their, some of them are guys who have not played a lot the last couple of years, it takes longer to figure out what that, what that right chemistry is than it does with, say, a Kansas team or a Baylor team when you know what you have coming back the next year. And then uh, TCU, Matthew, I mean, uh, Jamie Dixon's got a – lot on his plate here. He had a handful of guys transfer out of last season, so he's also got a lot of new faces there that he's looking at that you know, even the fan base is probably like, you know, who's this guy? Who's that guy? You know Desmond Bain. Uh, you know some of the guys on this roster, but a lot of new faces. Is this going to end up just being a very long rebuilding year for Jamie Dixon, or is there hope? I, I think there's potential for this to be a long year. I mean, you know, Bain is one of the best players in the conference, pound for pound, but he's also – TCU's second leading rebounder right now. And that is a, that's a bit of a problem when you consider what Bain does for this team from an offensive standpoint. Uh, Kevin Samuels developed into a guy who can give you a double-double every night inside. And R.J. Nemhard's development as a guard has been very uh, interesting to watch. But you're right. There are a lot of new pieces in this team because of all the transfers. They brought in a kid from UT Arlington who's uh, done some solid work for them the first two months in Edric Dennis. But you know, when you look at what they've done, the teams they've beaten are the teams they're supposed to beat, and they're mid-majors, or mm-hmm. in one case, even a D3 team. The, te- the three games they have lost, Clemson, USC, Xavier, the things in common, their Power 5 teams are their Big East teams. Yeah. And that does not bode well uh, when you think about going into Big 12 play, going into this gauntlet. I think they open with Iowa State at home on Saturday. I I would actually take Iowa State on the road in that game as long as Halliburton plays just because I, I don't think – I think like K-State, TCU is still trying to figure some things out. And when you think about just getting to the end of the conference season, to me those are the two teams that potentially could end up with losing records overall by the time we get to March, which uh, would definitely be a, a big step back for both of those programs considering the way they've played the last couple of years. He's Matthew Postens joining us here on the show. Uh, last thing for you, Matthew, this this conference top to bottom, the last couple of years especially, it's just there, there are no night offs. I know it's a it's a cliche, night's off. I know it's a cliche, but it really has been proven true. Double round robin, uh, really no bottom feeders. You know, you just mentioned a couple teams you think could end up with that sub-500 record, but how do you see this year looking compared to the last, let's say, couple of years for the Big 12 on the basketball scene? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I say TCU might be the worst team in the conference. I always put worst in parentheses because in this conference, worst could be 15 and 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> TCU's yeah. already won nine games this year. So they're going to they're gonna rise up and upset a couple of people, absolutely. 
as we go through the season. But right now, I kind of feel like there is a line of demarcation in terms of the teams I feel comfortable saying are contenders. And those are Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, and Texas Tech. Those four teams, I feel like, you know, they're, to me, the true contenders in this conference in terms of contending for the regular season title. I think Texas is right behind them. I think Oklahoma is right behind them. But there's definitely a gap between those four teams and the rest of the teams in the conference. And it's going to be interesting to see, of those four teams, which one gets off to the really good start. Because, you know, like we talked about Texas Tech. they got Oklahoma State. Then they've got Baylor. Then they've got West Virginia. So right away, they've got two of the teams that I consider to be some of the best teams in the conference. Kansas starts with West Virginia on Saturday. Baylor starts with Texas. I mean, we, we come right out of the gate this weekend with three games that have the potential to set the tone for the conference race right away. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I, I know that uh, Big 12 is it's always going to be a football first conference. But if you're not following this basketball scene, uh, you got to get on it. Right, Matthew? I mean, it's just that good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I've been following ESPN's uh, uh, basketball rankings. They, they do a lot of strength and schedule, things like that. I think everybody in the Big 12 is in their top 100 in terms of overall ranking. And that's, you know, statistical, you know, staggering rankings, things yeah. like that. But, you know, there's nobody in this conference who, you know, couldn't be competitive in another conference, in my opinion, you know, any other Power 5 conference. That's, uh, that's awesome. It's going to be a fun year. You're going to be hearing from uh, Matthew on a weekly basis here on the show, getting the Big 12 basketball update. Matthew, great to talk to you. Enjoy the season. We'll be following along. All right. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. And Matthew will also be uh, doing our weekly power rankings on the basketball front, so be sure to check it all out at heartlandcollegesports.com. He does an awesome job on the basketball beat for us. Uh, always great to get his insights and perspective. As always, please leave us that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and uh, please do leave that rating and review, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie as well. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to be missing that. You don't want to miss out on it. I'm telling you, you don't. And by the way, our friends at mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12 for a 50% sign-up bonus. And also, Manscaped, Heartland 20 for 20% off your order. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks so much, guys. You're awesome. Appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast. It's because of you that we can continue to do this year-round. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.